Hi, I'm Sally. I'm Linda. And I'm Ming. Pour yourself a cup of tea and join us for this week's episode of Moving Oolong. Hey y'all, so today we're going to get our girl boss on and talk about a career move. And we're going to have a guest with us today um, to talk about career transitions, going into a different field, things like that, which I think it might be applicable for people around our age. We've worked a bit and might be thinking of trying something new or something different. So we're going to be getting to that. But for now, let's do our weekly recap. Sally, how was your week? Um, it was a busy week at work, honestly. I think on average, I left work at 7 every day this week. Um, and I just like had a lot of experiments that I was running in parallel. And I was like so stressed that I'd be able to finish everything before because I was taking um, Friday off. And Thursday, like I kind of left early for an interview for GW, their graduate program. So yeah, but everything was fine. Like I don't know. I was kind of stressed for nothing because even if I don't finish everything, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I got another acceptance from UEA. This Yay. time I actually picked up the phone when they called me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like this really nice lady that I talked to at the interview. So it was nice to hear from her. Um, and then I got to do the interview for GW in person mm. in DC. <laughs> and I felt like a whole cosmopolitan like, <laughs> woman career <laughs> boss. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and it was really nice. They treated us really well um, as students. They gave us a whole hotel room on Thursday nights. Uh, we had like a graduate student social with current students. So we could ask some questions about the program. And then the next day on Friday, they um, basically took us around this campus, like the two main buildings that we'd be studying and doing our work in. And they like gave us food gave us all, all this information. Everyone was super nice. Mm. And the highlight was when we got taken to the imaging core. And there was this <laughs> lady who owned, or not, she ran the place. And she was, like, an expert in, like, uh, electron microscopy and, like, other microscopy stuff. And she was so, <laughs> she was, like, so excited to, like, tell us about the microscopes. She was so enthusiastic about her job. And her energy was, like, infectious in that kind of Aww. way so that kind of after we like were swept on our feet by her mm-hmm. um we we're all like leaving the imaging core and like um the other candidates and i were talking and we we're like oh she was so nice like if we <laughs> it makes us want to go to gw more like mm-hmm. we want to accept the offer just for her um oh, if we get the offer of course <laughs> <laughs> only if but yeah it was really nice it made me like imagine what it's like being living in dc and I don't remember what else happened. <laughs> like, anything happening with pottery? We haven't heard an oh update. Oh my there. gosh. I was like <laughs> such oh. a scattermind this week. So I made two things at pottery. I got a lot of things back that I glazed um, last weekend. So some of the things turned out pretty nice. But then I also made like two new things on Wednesday. And I like completely forgot about them when I was like packing up. Mm. So they're just sitting in the classroom somewhere <laughs> unclaimed. I don't know what's going to happen to them. You can't get the, go back and get them. I mean, I could, but I'm in DC, mm. so well, so who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, that's the end of my week. Mm. How about you guys? Linda and I had a intertwined week again. I think so. <laughs> what a surprise! Uh, I think yeah. We just the Petworth friends visited a lot of different places mm-hmm. this week. Um, like last night, we went to Mad Hatter mm-hmm. in. Dupont, yeah, to go dancing. And then we also went out the last weekend to a few different places. Where did, where did it go? What's that place? Shenanigans. Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, we went to Admo. Yeah, Admo. Adams Morgan. Adams Morgan. <laughs> Sorry, yes. A government. <laughs> oh, I went to Madams Morgan mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I also went to A League of Her Own, which mm. is a like LGBT or lesbian bar um, in the basement of pictures, which is like a gay bar in general, mm. I think. So that was a very busy night. I was like so socially drained, but it was really fun to go out and dance and have the cosmopolitan <laughs> experience. 
and we oh on Thursday we went to the wharf. Mm-hmm. Um, a, like spontaneous yeah. ice skating trip with Carlos's younger cousin. Mm-hmm. It was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. So it was ice skating, and then went to a restaurant. And it was really pretty because we went there at, like, sunset. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see it over the water. And then at night, they had lights kind of strung up. And mm-hmm. in the ice rink, it was really small. And it was just us Which is so for nice. a while. Yeah. Well, I was, like, struggling to survive. You were not survive. struggling. <laughs> you did pretty well, actually. But, yeah, it was a fun, spontaneous thing mm-hmm. to do. Which I guess I've been missing since college. Like, college was all about spontaneous activities, hitting people up. Like, I guess with people busy at work, especially during the weekday, that doesn't happen as much. Mm-hmm. That was a nice experience. Mm. Do we do anything else? Mm, well, we didn't recap, I guess, the last time we talked where we were getting ready to yeah. do the Dumpling Lunar New Year party. Mm-hmm. Now it's actually happened. What do y'all think? When was the aftermath? <laughs> during during- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, we went in two different directions. <laughs> Sally stays exposing me on <laughs> Okay, well, for the event itself, I think it was a lot of fun. It was super busy for us, though, like, as the hosts and the cooks. Mm-hmm. I think we bit off a little more than we could chew. With, the like, menu was yeah. extravagant, it was too to ambitious. say the least. <laughs> it was really good, though. Yeah. Like, the fish was really I good. I think I pulled everything off. Yeah. Everything was super tasty, and we had a fun time, and we ended the night by playing mahjong. Mm. It was, like, totally activating the diaspora. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> we did that. We cooked. We did calligraphy. We like, hung up the thing. Yeah, that was my, probably my favorite part of the calligraphy mm-hmm. of the banners. It felt very, like... TASA, very like student cultural association for us. <laughs> we had all the events. We had like the arts and crafts. Combined like, every TASA event into one. Yeah. yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. A lot of work though. Mm-hmm. A lot of work. Yeah. I think the nice memory was like when the three of us were like in the middle of cooking and then Sally and I were just looking at you like dissociating from everything. <laughs> and then we came upstairs to Ming's room, just the three of us, and shared this bowl of mm. noodles. And it was like very like a quiet moment mm-hmm. among like the Is eye of the storm nice. yeah yeah <laughs> it was very nice because i think uh as hosts sometimes you're just worried about like pleasing the guests and like bustling around and you can't like sit back and enjoy the moment mm-hmm. and coming up to my room was like the one time mm-hmm. we had to like actually breathe and like i feel like that was a turning it. point in the night like before that we were doing everything Chaos. prepping everything yeah and then after that, we were like, okay, guys, you can cook all the dumplings. We'll just chill and relax like for this. producer to yeah. consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enjoy it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be a tricky thing about hosting for your friends. Mm-hmm. It's like, at what point do you stop being the host and become a friend? That sort of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I guess what happened? What happened after Ming? <laughs> we had a lot of <laughs> dumpling Philly left over. <laughs> so much Philly. And we did a um, shrimp and chives filling and a pork and cabbage filling the classic Mm -hmm. so good and we just had to keep it and then (laughs) we had to eat it and then my stomach revolted you you waited like a whole half week to eat it uh i don't know what it was but yeah i've been having some i'm not gonna get into detail unlike sally (laughs) i've been having some stomach issues this week honestly it's been like a wild ride of emotions and like things for me because um like going out was a lot um I, like, found out about... Well, actually, I don't know if I told you this, Sally, but my grandpa, he fell, and he had, a like, a like a little brain bleed thing, so he was in the ICU for a while, so that was really stressful, but I found out right before we, like, went out. Oh. Uh, I think that might have added to the emotions of the going out. Like, it was a lot kind of overwhelming mm-hmm. going back out into the, like, the dancing or, like, socializing scene. Mm-hmm. So we were, like, drained the next morning, and then... Some of us decided to go rock climbing <laughs> at this brand new gym. Well, not brand new. Brand new to us, a new gym in Virginia. So we did that. And then that was draining. And it was just like, <laughs> I'm still recovering. And I think my body is still recovering. And here we are about to celebrate your birthday and go out again tonight. <laughs> We're staying in. What do you mean? Okay, it's staying in. <laughs> it's a long night of drinking. Again. And socializing once again. <laughs> So the plan is just to create chaos amongst others and just sit back and watch it happen. And then you lucky listeners, we will get to hear as we report back next week. <laughs> as Lena teased at the beginning of the episode, today we have our special guest, Alex Pan, on to talk about his major career changes. Um, he's going to go all into depth with that, but just a little background to who Alex is. 
we met him in the we scrounged him up from the gym and ever since then he's been absorbed into our friend group so alex you want to introduce yourself tell us a bit about where you're from why you're on this podcast (laughs) okay sounds good um thanks for having me here today um my name is alex i recently moved to maryland from the bay area um right now i do research um, medical research but i guess in a previous life before this i was a software engineer and i guess you guys were all curious about that which is why i'm here today yeah yeah that's basically why we had you on the pod i guess because i think you're the only one that we've met correct me if i'm wrong who's like done such a big transition in terms of career uh, i think because most of us were still fairly new out of college right so we're still in the initial career path we chose or maybe uh, what we started out of out of college. So I think you have a unique perspective for our listeners, which is why we wanted to have you on. But I guess, uh, what did you major in in college? Mm. Uh, so in college, I majored in math and CS. Mm-hmm. And so kind of made sense that after I graduated, I went straight into software. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I do see why it's kind of crazy that I'm doing something totally different now. Though, honestly, I'm not that much older than you. How uh, old are you? <laughs> oh, I am. Let me think. How old am I right now? I'm 26, turning 27 this year. So, not that much older. I've gone through a whole midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could lead into our yeah. first question, right? Like, was it, quote unquote, a midlife crisis? A crisis? Mm-hmm. Like, what made you uh, choose to change career paths? Because it's a pretty pretty big switch, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was, like, I think crisis makes it sound more acute than it really is. I think it was more kind of like a gradual accumulation of many things over time that kind of converged. Mm. And so it kind of hit this point where it sort of made sense. It made sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, eventually it kind of hit this point where it made sense to stop being in software and at least explore other possibilities that I think at that time I thought might have been fulfilling. And I guess now that I'm in it, you know, I'm still going along this path and I still feel pretty committed, which I think is a good thing. Wait, how did it make sense, though? Mm. Like, what was that process? Well, so I guess there's, like, a few different threads that kind of all converged at the same time. I think on one hand, I didn't feel super fulfilled in software. And, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons for that, but I feel like I'm the kind of person who needs to find fulfillment in what they do. Like, Mm. I don't really like grinding hours away at something that I think is stupid, right? Mm -hmm. Not that I think what we did was stupid. It was just not, I think, very fulfilling, the problems that I felt like we were working on. And I think on the other hand, I started to kind of get more exposure into the world of medicine. And what kind of exposure did you get? Mm, um, In the very beginning, the first thing I did was volunteering at crisis hotlines. Mm -hmm. So like, um, you know, people call in and they're, you know, often suicidal. Sometimes people just need someone to talk to. You'd be surprised how many lonely people there are out there. But um, you get all kinds of people. And I think through that, it's kind of like opened up my eyes to, I guess, the world of mental health. And I think that was, I guess, where I first started to think about potentially doing something in healthcare or I guess in health in general. Because I think for me, I was like finding a sense of fulfillment in doing that that I didn't really see anywhere else. And that's kind of what drew me into it in the first place. Mm -hmm. What were the other factors? Were there other converging um, Mm -hmm. or? I think those are the two big ones. I mean, I think... Like, there's other smaller logistical things, like, even realizing that it's possible to make a career change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was fortunate enough to meet people who had also made career changes or were thinking about it, who, like, knew about, for example, programs where I could go back to school, that kind of thing, and sort of, like, because I think one thing that people think about, especially with medicine, is, like, oh, I didn't, you know, major in bio and undergrad, mm-hmm. or I wasn't a pre-med, you know, so it'll just never be possible for me yeah. to do that kind of thing. And definitely, like, pre-med especially, or medicine in general especially, seems like a very high hurdle, even if you're mm-hmm. just going straight into medicine, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even normally, you have to do so many things for it, that, like, the thought of going backwards when you already have a career, is, it seems so daunting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think what was weird is, like, yeah, it is a lot of things that you have to do, mm-hmm. but I feel like just in the process of trying to figure out if it was a choice that made sense for me, you know, to make this big switch, I ended up kind of going through and I guess ticking off, so yeah. to speak, some of those boxes. 
And so it didn't really feel like I was going down a list trying to be like, oh, hey, I have to take off all these things from med school. It's kind of just this natural progression of like, oh, hey, well, what's the next question I should be asking and trying to find the answer to. Mm -hmm. So you want to go to med school, but do you know specifically what you want to do with your degree? Mm, So I think that is a question I still don't have like the clearest Mm -hmm. of answers to just because, you know, medicine is so broad and it is so specific and you need so much, I guess, training and understanding to really you know, narrow down in on a specific thing. And I think for me, I'm fortunate enough to be at a position now where at least like I've honed in on a more specific direction, which is, I think I want to be in something a little bit more researchy. So it's it's kind of like in this intersection of translational medicine where you can still use, I guess, like computers and computational things and, you know, tie in my old skill set to do a lot of interesting things that we couldn't really solve without computers before. Mm -hmm. Was there something specific that told you that you wanted to be a doctor? Because there's many paths you can take in medicine, right? Mm. Or in health in general. So why? And if you don't want to do research, you could just right. do science. Why med school to be a doctor? Yeah, yeah. So I think the the whole like research thing came later, and I think that's also partially because of what I do now. Mm-hmm. I think before just answering the question of doing medicine in particular, I think was I think through a few things right because like on one hand I realized that I really do enjoy working with people working with patients and that was you know not just through working at a crisis hotline but also like I spent time working as an EMT you know I volunteer at a hospital I shadow people um and I also spent a lot of time just trying to talk to different people who are in different fields in healthcare and trying to get a sense of what exactly they do why they do what they do like how they got to be where, where they are and like seeing if I could see myself doing that, if it made sense for me to go down the same path. And I think after talking, you know, I was talking to like people who aren't just like pure doctors, right? like nurses, people who do like policy, people who do research, people who do like pharmacy or all these other different things. And I think after talking to all those people, the thing that stuck out the most to me that like I felt like I identified the most with was being a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In college, did you have any interest in medicine or health at all? No, definitely not. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, my eldest cousin, she's a doctor. And I think Mm -hmm. when I was really little, like, she's sort of, like, you know, one of the people that we really look up to in the family. And I think Mm -hmm. when I was really little, I was, like, really inspired. I was like, yeah, like, I'd love to be a doctor. You know, Mm -hmm. that'd be so cool. But I think as I got older, you know, especially, like, post-high school, you kind of realize how daunting of an undertaking that is. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I was like, you know... I was studying college and she was like still, you know, finishing school. And I was like, fuck that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my luck is fair. Yes. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Mm. Did you know what you wanted to do in college? Mm, not really. And I think mm. like maybe that's part of the reason why I was still in this process of searching even mm-hmm. after I graduated. Mm, I think like, I think the first thing that I really wanted to do, like knew that I wanted to do was probably music. Mm-hmm. But then I think because that didn't work out, you know, for a variety of reasons, but I think because that didn't work out, I sort of ended up in software almost as like a, like a, like backup. a backup. That was like my plan B, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, like if this music thing don't work out, like at least I know I can you make a living, yeah, out of it, make you a living, you know, mm-hmm. like I can survive. Like this is something that I know that I'm good at, but like, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's super fulfilling, but it'll pay the bills kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us can relate to the feeling of the daunting of like medicine because i think all three of us cycled through <laughs> at least at one point we went to a science you went, yeah which really shapes how you think mm-hmm. of careers and like health and stuff like that but i think all three of us at least had some linda did i think she, linda wanted to be a pa at oh, one point yeah, right. i remember she, she did the like, whole emt thing yeah and we're yeah. like what <laughs> <laughs> i think it's just like a career that's really like upheld mm-hmm. as like yeah. a moral or it's like when people would like who want to help others mm-hmm. would do. You're like so. very respected if you say that you're a doctor. Yeah, yeah. so it's natural mm. to have that kind of inclination. Did you have any pressure from your family? To do medicine? Or uh, software engineering, any... Like, in any direction. Mm, mm-hmm. I think probably there was, you know, they were more supportive of me going towards something like software. Mm. Um, I think that's because, you know, Asian parents, they're very much like, you know, we don't want you to become a starving musician mm-hmm. kind of thing because they don't, you know, they don't have a, another paradigm to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, just a different gener- generation, I think. Um, also, they don't have that, you know, privilege and experience. Um, and so, you know, obviously parents want the best for their kids. So they're like, you know, do something that you can survive on, you know, because I feel like when I talk to my parents, they're always telling me how, like, in their generation, 
you know, when they first like immigrated to the States and everything, the primary concern is like, okay, like you got to make a living, you got to provide for the family kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, we're fortunate enough to be in this other situation where it's no longer about survival. It's kind of about Mm -hmm. kind of Mm self-actualization. Oh, Maslow's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're at the tip of the pyramid. Mm. Mm. Was there any point where you wanted to go back to software engineering because i imagine it's like a pretty long process was there any point you were like mm. having hesitations about it? <laughs> mm. it's interesting because i think it's a question i ask myself pretty often and i don't think i've hit a point yet where i'm like oh i would definitely rather do that than what i'm doing now mm. and i think that's like a good litmus test in a way because it's like yeah sure like i could definitely you know i think about this all the time especially okay i know i'm not allowed to talk about climbing <laughs> Like, I think about, like, all the places, like, I could go or, like, the trips that, like, you know, and, like, the time that you can take to do that, mm. which you definitely don't get if you're going on a path like medicine. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think, you know, also knowing that, oh, hey, I'm getting older kind of thing and I won't be able to theoretically climb as hard when I'm older, et cetera, right? It's like, I feel like there's, like, this, like, wasted opportunity kind of mentality, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, my God, I'm, like, Your letting... Your youth is gone. Yeah, I'm letting all yeah. that time slip away or I could be doing something else, right? And I think, like especially with something like software it's like it would be so easy for me to go back mm-hmm. and like be able to take advantage of this current time now yeah but i think it's almost more about like long term like and also i think like having a deeper understanding of what it is i care about like i think i'll regret it in like 20 years if i like took the easy mm-hmm. quote-unquote route out to do mm-hmm. something that i knew i was less satisfied with it's a lot of, like delayed gratification mm-hmm. yeah. in yeah. this path exactly yeah. yeah but then if i were to make such a major change i would be like what if in like 20 or 30 years I would regret going into something like that. But then you just change again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, true, but you can't climb hard anymore. It's true. That's That's true. true. If you're considering climbing. Why is that you're considering? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) I see it. No, but it's true because I think when you're like out of high school for sure, but even Mm. in college, you're told like you're set on this one path. Mm. And only just recently now have I like heard stories like yours or like realized that you can change like, you're not on one set track anymore. I think uh, school in the U.S. is very, like, strict mm-hmm. about, like, you're following this career, this major. You have four years to get it done, that sort of thing. And then we were listening to, I think, uh, ABG Janet. She's changed her oh, career, yeah. like, five different times mm-hmm. to completely different things, like, all over the place. And I think that was the first time I realized that, like, oh, you could do mm-hmm. something. You can switch. But mm-hmm. I guess my hesitation with changing my career is that, it would take you longer to, like, if you stuck with one career, you would already be promoted or, like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. advancing in that path. But then you're kind of, like, taking a step backwards if you're um, changing it so often. So then you're always in, like, an entry-level state. Mm. Well, I think it's not like you just go back to square zero, yeah. right? Because you do have a lot of transferable skills mm-hmm. and, like, knowledge and experience that you can carry with you. Like, especially, like, with my current job, I think the only reason why I got it was because I had the computational background mm-hmm. and they were looking for someone who, you know, had those skills in particular. And mm-hmm. like, I definitely feel like it's something that I want to continue to carry forward because I feel like it's almost like a nice way where, you know, I can make use of those experiences and like do something that I feel like very few other people could do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And in the switch to, I guess, pre-med, mm-hmm. what was the hardest hurdle that you had to go through? Like, especially coming from like just a comp side background. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles along the way. It, yeah. Is, like, I don't What's think, the biggest one for you? I don't know if there's like a single biggest okay. one. It's like kind of just like systematically over time, like what's the next thing that I need to do kind uh-huh. of thing. I feel like that's kind of my mindset. Like I don't try not to get super hung up on one specific thing in mm-hmm. particular. Try to like take a rational approach and break break the problem down into okay. manageable pieces. It's <laughs> like, y'all be easy. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, it, it is really daunting, but uh-huh. I think, like, I took a really long time to make the switch. Like, it wasn't just, like, you know, one week I was like, fucking, I'm gonna be a doc. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Yeah. It was like, I think even coming to the decision to leave my job as a software engineer, that took me, like, over a year. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, and then the transition itself of, like, getting to a point where I was like, am I ready to go back to school? Like, that's another hurdle, right? That took me another year where I was, like, volunteering and working as an EMT and really testing the waters out that way. And then back in school, that was a whole year where I was like, okay, well, like, is this really something else I want to do? You know, now it's like, I'm going to be in this research job for two more years, you know? So this transition itself is, like, over four years, (laughs) right, when you think about it. So it's like, I think all on the way, it's good to be asking yourself these kinds of questions and also kind of, like, testing it. Like, I don't think... 
obstacles are a bad thing mm -hmm. because I think that kind of friction really forces you to question and like figure things out right and like if you do hit a point where it's like oh you know this really isn't for me for whatever reason like that's great right because you like yeah sure like some people might look at it as like wasted time where you're like oh I went down this straight path but the way I see it is like you paid that time to really figure out more about like who you are and what makes you happy Mm. I think you've hinted at like some obstacles currently, like having mm. to grind really hard, getting out of work, work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like having to miss out on things or like mm. things out because of mm. how like demanding the process mm. is. Is yeah, that like, kind of a current like? I think that's gonna be a permanent thing though, mm. and I think that's like, a, I guess that's like one of those big things that you'd have to grapple with, like especially knowing that you're gonna get into a profession like this is like you are going to miss out on a lot of things that other people... Like, there's going to be a lot of FOMO, I guess. Right? Because it's like... Because med school is your life when you're in it. Yeah, exactly. It's mm -hmm. like a very, very time-consuming... Not just, yeah. like, time, but, like, your emotion and your energy, right? There's, like, a lot of really intense things that you have to go through. And that can be really hard. But I think, like, having tested the waters out as much as I could before this, I feel like I sort of can say with some confidence that yeah like this is still what I want to do mm -hmm. you know like that's why I spent so much time like working as an EMT or like volunteering or like shadowing because it was like every step was not just like oh like this is what the schools look for let me take that box but it was like more from the perspective of hey like I like what question am I trying to answer here mm -hmm. you know it was like the reason why I started volunteering at the hospital instead of at the crisis hotlines was like how do I feel about working with patients like mm -hmm. people face to face you know, I started chatting with doctors because it was like, all right, what do they actually do? You know, like in the day, to, like, I don't want to just like hear you tell me about it. Like, I want to see, Yeah. you know, the EMT thing was like, hey, like, how do I actually feel about taking care of a patient myself? You know, mm -hmm. and I think like at every point there was like a question that I was asking and like an answer I was looking for. Mm -hmm. It seems like medicine, like conceptually, there's a lot of like different points of entry, like mm -hmm. EMT or like hotline or like more mm -hmm. mental health. Mm -hmm. resources which is interesting to think about because for i think my job and then ming's job like i didn't know that these roles existed mm -hmm. in mm. high school like yeah. social media or like operations things like that is not really something that people do informational interviews mm. for um i guess i don't really know what i'm trying to ask <laughs> it's just like it feels really different to mm. hear about this experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did, definitely did not know about those things either, mm -hmm. like, in high school. Like, I lived in a different country in high mm -hmm. school, right? And, like, you know, coming to the States, like, even just, like, the culture shock of college and, like, coming to a new country, like, that was, like, really strange. And so, like, coming out and, like, being in society and being, like, all right, like, now let me figure out a whole other career path. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Speaking right. of moving, were there oh, any, like, logistical considerations for moving? Because you came across the country mm -hmm. from the West Coast to the East Coast for your post back so like i guess that also takes like a lot a huge it's like mm. a, le a huge leaping stone well i mean i think the biggest thing for me that has become increasingly hard over the years is the thought of like leaving behind like friends mm -hmm. you know not being able to like see them as often and like i don't know i think for me that's like a very a very sad feeling um and definitely the hardest one to grapple with um, but I think it's also in a weird way, something that I, I'm kind of used to, like I moved around a lot growing up. And so I also always had this like mentality of like, you kind of go where you have to, like mm -hmm. sort of used to having to Feel move. Like the calling to move. Mm, not even just, well, like for example, like this last, like, okay, uh -huh. after college, for example, like moving to the Bay from Portland, I was like, oh yeah, like I can't wait to get out of this place. Mm -hmm. Like I'm ready for a change, you know, but mm -hmm. like Portland to here, actually, I was kind of dreading the move because I was like you know really just not wanting to leave behind all the friends that I had made over there like I felt really comfortable over there I felt like really at home mm -hmm. in the bay um but I think the other thing was like I knew that because I was like well in advance like getting into this career like I'd probably have to move anyway mm -hmm. and I think I don't know Maybe it's just the way I was brought up. Is like you kind of just go where the opportunities take you. Don't you don't think you could be a doctor on the West Coast. No, I think you could, but like I happened to get into a oh, program. Oh, because of the well, program. So the program was actually virtual, so I was able to stay. Yeah. And I could have moved, but I chose to stay because I didn't want to move, yeah. right? For all the reasons I earlier said. Mm -hmm. um, but when I got this job over here, I was like, I can't really say no to that, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I have to move for that. 
And so like, I kind of just had to bite the bullet and do it, you know, but I think it worked out. Cause I mean, here we are now. <laughs> Did you ever see yourself recording a podcast? No, no, actually never. No, this is really like Maybe unexpected. Maybe this will be your next career change. <laughs> I know, uh, professional. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it seems like career is like a big priority in like your life maybe or like things that you think about which is i think different for me we definitely discussed how yeah at least for the two of us how we're what is the saying you're working to live not living to work Mm -hmm. those two different phrases like like work-life balance is so much better now than in college Mm -hmm. so i guess it just feels also really different wait what did you say in the last episode where you're like uh, something about how you're not you're no longer going to be, like, on LinkedIn, like, committed to your mm-hmm. career growth. Career-oriented. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. I found, like, other things. To yeah. Yeah. Which you is were like, very career-oriented in college. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, doing internships or, like, jobs and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was, I always felt like I was being left behind because I was just, like, you? just doing, like, my classes. I didn't do mm-hmm. that many extracurricular things. Um, but now it feels very different because you guys are just, like, doing a <laughs> 9 to 5. Yeah. And then when I'm coming home at 7 p.m. and you guys have just been chilling at home, I'm like, oh, this is so different. Mm. And, like, going to grad school, too, I know, know mm. it's going to be much more demanding than my job mm. now. So it feels different to be, like, the only one out of a friend group to be still in, like, the student mindset. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I can't imagine moving for a career, though. Like, at this point in my life, I'm, like, staying remote. I'm going to be mm. at home doing whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess, like, were there, like, priorities that kind of shifted? Or was that, like, a big change? Or have you always been really driven in terms of career? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I think... Well, I like what you guys said earlier about, like, work to live or live to work. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, that is sort of the dilemma that I am faced with on the on the reg, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think about, like, if I go into software, it wouldn't be, like, you know, live to work. It'd be at work to live, right? Mm-hmm. I would just be paying the bills and, like, that'd be my nine to five. But then I'd be able to find fulfillment in, like, climbing and music and, like, other things in life, right? Hanging out with friends and that sort of thing. But I think, like, with the medicine thing, I was, like, I think for me personally, I realized that, like, I care about having sort of like that, I don't know, greater sense of fulfillment in what I do. Mm. You know, like, I think there's also like a lot of personal things that happened that made it more meaningful for me too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's like, for me, it kind of made sense. Like almost like, it almost is not like a live to work kind of thing. Cause it's just like living to like live, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like your work is your life too. Yeah, like, not in the crazy workaholic sense. I mean, like, yes, it is. But you enjoy it, too. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Not well, I get something out of it that I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, something that, it's not something that's, like, you dread. It's something that you actually look forward to doing, I guess. On most days, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel like our kind of concept of fulfillment might have changed throughout, you know, high school or college or even post-grad. I guess Ming and I kind of went through a similar trajectory, like, going to public health and like doing all these things in college i guess i mean do you feel like you're in like a career minded stage or has that kind of lessened since graduating mm, it's definitely changed in how i view career like big c kind of career thing because obviously in college it's all about like you're going to college to get a degree so you can get a job and i was like the main stressor i think of our life <laughs> but like I don't think, I realized that I don't need to find fulfillment, at least for me personally, I don't need to find fulfillment in my career. I'm happy doing it elsewhere. And I think that has a lot to do about with our discussions about like, what are these jobs even? Like we're just working on these virtu- like virtual meetings with these mm-hmm. virtual people, with these like, like just tapping away yeah. at our computers. And mm-hmm. in that sense, maybe like I am not fulfilled, so I'm looking elsewhere. Um, but I think more the... The harder question is more just like, well, what am I doing right now in terms of like, I'm not doing anything specifically public health related. And yeah, I think that kind of question kind of keeps me up a little bit because it's like, I really did enjoy my learnings from like my major in public health. And it's like, well, what am I doing now? And like, what can I do from here? Mm-hmm. How can I connect it with what I learned? And and then a little part of me is just like, well, does it even matter? Right. Because we're just living in this system where we're just trying to make money yeah like Mm -hmm. should i worry this much about what i'm doing in my nine to five Mm -hmm. i don't know 
Well, how do you feel, Linda? I kind of relate to you about like the public health aspect of things because I think health as like a profession in general is like just something that there's nothing wrong with doing. You know, like public health, there's nothing wrong with like helping people be healthier. But in other industries, like you know, fashion or like te- technology, there's like a downside mm-hmm. to it. Like you know, exploitation of. I mean, even nonprofits. Yeah, the nonprofit yeah. industrial complex <laughs> or whatever. But I think public health to me seems like a very pure, pure. form mm-hmm. of going into a career because, you know, there's no really like a truly ethical way we can participate in making money and going through like going through life um, as we need it. And I think the things I wanted to pursue as a career in college were... I guess, antithetical to the point of even having a career. Um, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, things like social justice, It. I don't think it should be a career. Mm-hmm. Like, you shouldn't be paid for it, you shouldn't get recognized for it, because then it just turns into... It defeats the purpose. Yeah, okay. like mm-hmm. being a celebrity or mm-hmm. somehow profiting off of, like, labor that people put into, like, dismantling the need for a really well-paying career anyway so i think that's why for like my own peace of mind it's good to do something that's has like stability Mm. um you can still feel like you're participating and helping people through like tangentially health-wise but i think in other ways i am providing what i want to people around me outside Mm. of a job Mm -hmm. Be like more focused on your personal life and how you're making an impact on the people in your yeah. lives versus like trying to put that into like your career and like making huge wide changes, right? Yeah, like, like being a direct service right. provider when you can just be like a good person in your interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sally, do you have any <laughs> thoughts? thoughts? Because thoughts? you're in your like your current like uh, driving. Yeah, I guess like in terms of whether. Um, wait, what was the question? Like, whether I'm passionate about my job or something? Sure. Mm-hmm. My career path? That's something I question myself a lot, too, because um, growing up, like, being in a science and tech uh, was a program mm-hmm. since high school. Like, being in a bio major or bio-related major in college, it seems like a one-track path. And I didn't really have time, I guess, in school to question whether or not this is really what I wanted to do or like the experience because in school it's just studying and it's not directly, the classes aren't directly correlatable or yeah, they're not translatable to what you're actually doing in your career a lot of the times. Um, So after working, I think, especially in this job, like in my post-bac fellowship, is when I really like question whether or not I still really want to do the PhD and like or if it was just a product of everything I've been raised to do. Like, um, besides my school and, like, the programs, I also got a lot of pressure from my family to mm-hmm. do, pursue a higher, higher education um, because they both my, both my parents did get a master's degree, so they were, like, that was, like, a, an obvious track for me after graduating college. Um, and they wanted me better than them, so, of course, they'd be, like, mm-hmm. PhD or, like, some other graduate degree. Um, so that's something I've been hearing from my mom, like, ever since I told her I wanted to do science. She was like, you have to get a PhD. Like, that's the only way you go unless you want to do, like, medicine, I guess. But um, when I was, like, doing this post back fellowship, I think the reason why I kind of decided, like, yeah, this is the track for me is just interacting with all the different scientists and, like, hearing about their research and, like, doing my own research, too, of course. But I realized that I, like really like interacting people that are passionate about their job like Mm. everyone that I meet in research that's scientist level is they're like really excited to talk about their research and like once you ask them about it they'll go on and on and it's really nice to see and it's just like being surrounded with people who are really passionate um kind of rubs off on you Mm. even though what I'm doing right now isn't really like something I'm passionate about because it's not the field I want to do but um, like, going to the grad school interviews and talking to faculty there, too. And, like, the imaging correlating that oh I met. Yeah. It was, like, really, it makes me really, like, motivated to go down this path and, like, mm. find um, a research topic that I'm passionate about. Because it seems really fun once 
you have something that you really want to learn about. And I think um, research is a very like humbling, like, yeah, it's a very humbling career because you are put down by your experiments a lot. But at the same <laughs> time, um, once you have these like little successes, it's like it feels like a really big mm. fulfillment mm. in a sense because you're working towards like expanding greater knowledge in a like broader sense and also for you personally if you're like interested in like solving a problem i don't know i guess um <laughs> you can have like more of a personal investment into your work when you're interested in it so mm-hmm. that's kind of why i like research mm. the passion that you t- talk about with uh the researchers you've talked to is like so different from my coworkers. like mm-hmm. i feel like there is an, an overall like when you work for a nonprofit, there's like an overarching mission that everyone agrees with and gets behind, but it's like the day-to-day tasks that go with it is not necessarily like passion driven, mm-hmm. right? Like it's very at least um my team very administrative, like just yeah. focusing like on bitch like, work, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> making the, the nonprofit run. Yeah. Versus like focusing on the mission day to day or what what you're doing, mm-hmm. how your work will impact other people. Which I think maybe is what makes it more questionable at least for me i don't know about you linda but working for a nonprofit, it's like i've learned so much from it and become i think more jaded from it too. <laughs> yeah same like when sally's talking about like her co-workers and i guess now it's talking about um like work and things like that like i think of my day-to-day and it's like these c-suite people <laughs> asking me how to print a pdf <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's like sometimes there's like major wins mm-hmm. that you can celebrate like we see news articles or like CAC or like these different partners engaging with our work, but there's also a disconnect because we're not directly mm-hmm. impacting like the community. And also we're doing it through an organization and there's all these like considerations. Am I thinking about switching my career path right now on this podcast live? Inspired by our podcast. I mean, it is inspirational. Like mm-hmm. I think after being surrounded like working and having these people just do the same thing it's like i guess i'm beginning to hear like alex and sally just talk about mm-hmm. it i mean if you want to think about this in a really big maybe overarching maybe i'm reaching too far but like uh the idea of purpose right mm-hmm. purpose of your life purpose of your job and like just why you're on this planet that you could get so like existential about it and like really think about them yeah. i think this conversation kind of like encapsulates that general thought mm. oh if there was like one word you could use to describe your purpose oh god what would it be? What? oh god alex <laughs> what wait no you asked the question so you gotta go first <laughs> um it is what it is oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> it can't be helped you said that's one word that's not a word one word what's the single word that encapsulates that thought hmm well your question was what is one word that uh Describe, like describes a purpose your sense of your purpose, purpose? like there's so many ways you can go with that though like mm. will you ever know your purpose mm. truly i guess i can say unknown okay well i'm just like easy way out <laughs> come back to me <laughs> <laughs> okay i thought this was gonna be like a provoking like probing <laughs> prom, but no. you guys are like <laughs> well in some ways isn't all of life just trying to figure out your purpose mm. or we don't no. need a purpose then why'd you ask this question? <laughs> you guys have purposes, though? Dude, I mean... I don't know. Like, who gives you purpose? That's also a bigger question, I think. Who? Like, who? Like, if you're super religious and Christian, you could say God mm. gives you purpose. Oh, capital W. God. Yeah, okay. If you're w. not... W? Oh, w? who? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, who gives sorry, you purpose? Sorry. <laughs> or, like, family or something? But do you give yourself purpose? Do other people around you give you purpose? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What is your personal sense of purpose? <laughs> That's even a harder question. I'm clarifying her question. Like, okay, assigning yourself your sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think at this stage of life, I don't know if I can say it in one word. Yeah. But mm, just to explain, like, what I thought about, I guess, because I'm, like, from a religious background, I've thought about, like, yeah, what is my greater purpose, like, my what am I dedicating like why am I living on this earth basically like what do I <sighs> want to spend my around 100 years on you earth like you know, <laughs> hopefully 100 years of mm-hmm. doing um and I think right now like it is a very big question because we're still so young and at the moment I'm just focusing on 
um, f- like chasing things that interest me and mm. not. <laughs> I like questioning too um, things that I've been told my whole life, like figuring out my own values and like my own thoughts. So I think like creating my sense of being, but I think, but also I think when I ask, when I think of this question, I also think of what do I want to be remembered as when I die? So in that terms, in that sense, um, I want to be remembered for my relationship with people. Mm -hmm. So that's why I also want to focus on like, I, I guess building relationships with the people that are around me now and maybe in the future, new ones too. And just like, I don't know, providing for people or whatever. <laughs> nice sermon. Yes. <laughs> Amen. All right. Alex, you're next. Wait, why am I next? What's your purpose? What's my purpose? I mean, I don't think I can say it in like one word either. And I think there's... Forget the one word thing. Oh, okay. okay. I've, I've forgotten the one word thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think... There's a lot of existential questions that everyone's going to come to different different answers to, right? I think, like, I kind of get what you were saying about, like, oh, like, you know, after I die, how will people remember me mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think maybe I might have cared about that more in the past. But I think, like, there's also the thought of, like, why should you care about that, right? Because when you're dead, what does it matter what people think of you kind of thing? I don't know. I think... I definitely am trying to maximize what I get out of it in this life, though. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I think what I'm doing now feels like to me, like, it'll have the most meaning for me in the moment and in the moments to come, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Living a full life, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Try to maximize that utility, you know? <laughs> Ming. No. What are, what are you like thinking of? You don't have to answer the question, but are you? The question is, what is your purpose, right? Yeah. I don't know. My mind just goes to like all those existential questions of like, mm. how do you define purpose? Like mm. those ty- mm-hmm. types of things. Um, you can break it down. Unpack. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. It's okay. We got time. This will be a two-hour special. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of get what you were saying of how you want to like figure out your own what you value in mm-hmm. your life and trying to get away from like what everyone else is telling you. Yeah. Like define yourself, your being. Because I think I care a lot about. I, I mean, I've said this so many times. I care a lot about what, like, how the impact I make on people, mm-hmm. uh, how I make other people feel. And in some ways, that's a really good thing to aim for, right? Like when you were saying, I want to. How will I be remembered? How. Mm-hmm. Like, treating people well, hopefully. But also, like, in a more, if you're just focused on yourself and your purpose, <laughs> like, I, it should be for me. Mm-hmm. And But to figure that out, you have to figure out, like, what even motivates you, drives you. Which is the whole question in the first place. Of what is your purpose? Don't <laughs> stress, don't stress. I'm so oh <laughs> I'm getting secondhand stress for you. <laughs> so maybe my purpose is just to, like, Mm-hmm. figure out how I even feel about being asked about my purpose right mm-hmm. which gets really meta but <laughs> also I think if I think in really realistic to like straight up I like this life that I have is I don't take for granted at all considering how I started my life like I could be living anywhere right now have any type of life circumstance given how I was literally plucked off the streets so I definitely don't take that for granted. And I want to somehow put in my purpose, like, to not repay that because I don't feel like I have debt, but in some way make it, like, because I was given all these opportunities make and happened to be in mm-hmm. this exact position in life, like, I have to make it, like, I have to make something of it. Mm-hmm. That's something, I mean, that's a really big question, but yeah, I, like, sometimes I, like, look at my sister, I'm like, we got really... Not just, oh, lucky in, like, a white savior way, but, mm-hmm. like, we could have been anywhere at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be a lot worse. A lot worse, a lot better, a lot different. Just, mm-hmm. like, I don't believe in fate, but, like, <laughs> maybe there is something to it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay, I did answer the question. I feel like... I think that was a sufficient yeah. answer. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a reflection. Yeah. yeah. I can journal about this later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I 
I like Linda. <laughs> I guess this also goes into like believing in destiny or like believing in soulmates versus like self determination, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I guess when you brought up like your life thing, I was thinking <laughs> about like being Asian American and having that, or being second gen, having that collectivist mm. mindset of being like, who am I to my family? And then am I fulfilling my filial? Like piety, feel mm-hmm. like piety, mm. um, like two people around me, and I feel like usually I don't think about this, which is it might be a good thing because I'm being an active participant in my own life. Like mm. I'm managing my own life. I'm scheduling activities for myself to live a full life at whatever point I am right now. Like. In a few minutes, we're about to go and celebrate Sally's birthday. <laughs> and I don't know why I was so But it's like having those moments that I can really appreciate. Like last night when we were in Mad Hatter, and then I was like looking at the lights, like dissociating a little bit, being like, like being out with friends and then like just, I don't know, taking in the moment of being like fully present, I think is my way of being existential but that also doesn't answer anything let's talk about back in 10 years mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be the same in 10 yeah. years i feel like it's yeah literally you're every we'll moment, have more questions in 10 yeah years. it's gonna completely change your mm-hmm. thoughts well thank you Alex, your career <laughs> for this conversation um i think it started off as being like a pretty straightforward interview like, this whole intention of that episode was to be about, oh, career, career change. But I think it really sparked a deeper conversation, one that maybe we shouldn't have all the time or else I'll be stressed in <laughs> panic mode all the time. <laughs> but it is good to, like, hear your all your thoughts because it can feel lonely sometimes trying to think of, like, your purpose in life and all these deeper questions. But, yeah, it was a good episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Or at least had a lot to think about. Maybe y'all be panicking out there now. (laughs) If so, I do apologize. But thank you all for listening. And I hope you tune in next week. If you like this episode, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at movingalongpod and check out our Medium blog for all of our bonus contents. You can follow us there at movingalong.medium.com. Until next time. Bye. Bye.